You're listening to The Wilder Podcast, episode five with Katie Dalebout. Hey everybody, it's Carson. Um, I really don't have a ton to say, even though I could probably go on forever about Katie and our conversation and about how juicy and delicious it all is, but this is the longest episode that I've done so far and I really didn't want to edit out a ton of stuff. I edited out like five minutes worth of stuff and I was just, I had to stop myself because I was like, I don't want anybody to miss any of this delicious, juicy con- like conversation. So... I'm going to leave it in there, and uh, I've been listening to Katie for so long, um, that's a lie, probably just like the past like four months, And but I've listened to like over 50 episodes of hers, so that's like over 50 hours with Katie, and she's so inspirational, and at the end of this, we actually had a little off-the-record little chat, and I kind of let her in on some really kind of darker stuff I'm dealing with right now, and she was so supportive and amazing, and she's incredible and you guys just have to listen to this podcast interview and you have to check her out at katiedalebout.com and grab her book let it out a journal a journey through journaling with katie dalebout obviously by her and um this is just an incredible conversation and i'm just gonna let you guys listen because i don't want to waste any of the time katie! hi hi could you start off by telling us a little bit more about who you are and what you do yeah, I mean, this could go in so many different directions, yeah. but you know um, a little bit about what I do, so feel free to, you know, flesh out anything you want me to elaborate on, but I, I'm i just a person, <laughs> um, but I have a podcast that I do called Let It Out, and I've been doing it for a very long time. It used to be called um, The Wellness Wonderland Radio, which was the name of a blog that I had, The Wellness Wonderland, that I started in college. And it started off being very much about physical wellness and health and, um, you know, healthy eating and healthy dieting and yoga and that sort of thing, which I was very, very into at the time, almost to a fault. Um, which I still am into now. You know, I love green juice as much as the next guy, but I, what I realized in the past few years is that it's not just about those things. It's about making your life as a whole really awesome and beautiful, not just your physical body. So by that, I mean it's about using your creativity and having really awesome relationships and a decluttered space and all of these things where I was very focused on the physical aspect of wellness where now I think of it truly as more holistic. So anyway, my the name of my blog transitioned as well as the content as I transitioned with what I was focusing on and I got more into body image and feminism as I really healed my relationship with my body. You know, I had an eating disorder and I kind of healed that eating disorder by getting into healthy living and healthy foods and really in through the orthorexic lens. And for people who don't know what that word means, it's really being 
too obsessed with healthy eating and for some people exercise, but for me it was really just with the food to a fault where it has negative impacts on your mental wellness and, and that was the case for me. So I kind of went into that and then to heal that I really got into body image and, and making, like I said, making your life your masterpiece, not just, just the body. And so that's what my content and what I shared on my blog and, and my podcast transitioned to and then it led to a book deal recently or, or I got the book deal a long time ago, but the book came out recently somewhat, um, April of of this year and yeah and now I'm just you know writing and bopping around and podcasting and mm-hmm. I have a lot more ideas that I want to make in the world and yeah that was really kind of long and all over the place but no I thought that that was really really good very compact because I feel like since okay everyone listening I have I don't know Katie I've listened to like maybe 50 of your podcast episodes I've and I found but I mean that's and I found you like a month ago so it's like so I've been like binge listening to which is a bad term I don't like that one but you know what I mean like binge listening to your podcast so I know so much about you and I don't even know where to start Oh, this is so great. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to binge listen to your podcast. Yeah, like, my like three I, episodes. I felt the same way. When I found your work, I was like, wow, this girl's aesthetic is so amazing. I just loved like your color palette and the way that you present yourself online and how your photos looked. And then I was like hooked. And then I was like, wow, she sings and she's so beautiful and brilliant. So I, I feel the same way. Oh my way. gosh. Thank We're you. We're like meant to be friends. I know. I think that's what it is. I mean, I, I totally felt that way though. Like from the first episode I heard and I, I may, have you been on, were you on one part podcast? Yeah. I okay, love that, Jessica. Yeah. Marianne. Jessica Moran. She's coming on the podcast. Um, hopefully we're emailing right now. So she's coming on the podcast, I think in a couple weeks. So she's I'm so excited. So- Yeah, she's just such a supportive, like, good human and just, like, a great – she's been a great friend to me. She just, like, is one of those people that has your back. I cannot say enough good things about that woman. She just was – she was so supportive to me with my my book launch and she's just a a good – she's a good egg. (laughs) Yeah, I um, actually included both of you guys on, like, my favorite – podcast that I'm obsessed with right now or that was a few weeks ago about a month ago whenever I like followed you and was like commenting on your stuff I was like Katie hi I'm obsessed with you and I like tagged you in that photo that was whenever I was really 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 like you know eyeball deep in podcasts every day I was walking like six miles a day instead I was doing like the gentle exercise thing where you're just like I'm going to be more intuitive yeah. And I'm going to stop doing so much like high intensity interval training because, you know, I just am not, it's not, you know how exercise becomes non-intuitive. I mean, I know you know that because I listen to your podcast, but okay. Anyway, so I basically, you went on walks with me and you didn't even know it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm excited to go on walks with you in my headphones and then Yay. hopefully in real life because yeah. we're moving to Columbus, Ohio, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> not really. Just Ann is actually from there. Did you know that? Oh, my gosh. I did not. But I did know that – well, I guess I did because I knew that she moved to – is it Charleston? Yes. I feel like such a stalker. Oh, my gosh. Okay, no. Um, you ladies are so inspiring and amazing. And you guys, I'll put Jessica in the show notes just so that you – if you have not already checked out our podcast, you should. Um, but anyway, so okay. Inspiring too. So I 
I mean, this podcast, I've already touched on my food weirdness, and there is so much stuff I want to talk about with you, so I'm sure we'll probably end up doing something in the future, because today I would love to touch on, you know, your journaling, your food, um, some spirituality stuff, but I would love if, it, if you could take us back to the beginning of your food and body journey, and uh, where it kind of started getting a little out of balance for you. Yeah, I... I can go with this in a lot of different ways. I've I've had um, weirdly, randomly this week. I've been doing a lot of interviews. When I was when the book first came out, a bunch in a row, and then I hadn't for a while, and then I have been this week. So I always kind of have been starting at a different point. Um, but I don't know. I'll take you like all the way back. I think for me, I remember when I was in, and feel free to like cut me off if any of this is boring, but, and I'm being too granular, but when I was young, I remember feeling like my body wasn't the same as my friends. And I was just like a little bit bigger of a kid. And I wasn't like the biggest kid in the class, but I wasn't the smallest. I was on the, if it was a spectrum, I was like towards the bigger kids. Um, and that just really kind of flipped me out. I, I didn't, I, it really got in my head as like, this is something that's not good and that needs to change and I want it to be different. And I think maybe that stemmed from, you know, my mom growing up has, was always heavy and she, and, and still is, but she, when she had me gained a lot of weight that she wasn't able to lose and it wasn't something that was conscious or that like she really spoke about ever but I just knew that you know this is my mom and this is how she is and so I think maybe it got in my mind that when I got older that was like my fate and that's just what happened when mm -hmm. you got older and so I was so from a young age like I don't want that to happen to me how do I not make that happen to me and I didn't even know consciously that like what I ate or how much I moved affected those things and then eventually through the media or through you know other people or just how you learn pick up things from your peers and from people in your life I started to realize that those things were affected and I remember being very young and being like I'm not gonna diet but and I like I don't even know if I knew what that word meant but I like made this weird rule for myself that was like because I was very weird about like me eating in front of people a lot because I was like oh if, if I eat a lot of food then they're gonna think that I'm fat and even yeah. though like it just was like so silly and I which I and I use that term fat very intentionally like to reclaim that word from the body acceptance movement mm -hmm. and, like through the fat acceptance movement I always like say that in interviews and when I use that word but because it's not a bad thing but when I was younger I perceived fat as bad and thin as good which is like so common today and back then because that's what we see from the media you know the media tells us that one body shape is ideal because yeah. we see one body shape in the media. We primarily see white, thin women in the mm -hmm. media over and over again. And it's even you know, exactly <laughs> like Disney movies, you know, uh. the little mermaid is one that I always use as an example that always comes to mind is like the only fat character that I can remember in Disney movies was Ursula and she was evil. So evil. That, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the one that no one wanted to be. So it was like, 
you had these, you know, perceptions in your mind of like fat is bad and thin is good. And if I wanted to be the heroine of my story and if I, I watched way too many romantic comedies as a, as a child and like still I do now. Yeah. And so I was like, if I want to be, you know, Kate Hudson and how to lose a guy in 10 days or Jennifer Garner and 13 going on 30, like that, those are like my ideals. I was like, I need to be this like thin woman. Oh my gosh. And, yes. <laughs> you know, when you're a kid and luckily my food and my food weirdness like really didn't come out because you're not grocery shopping for yourself. You don't have money. But when I got to college, all of that changed. And I think that that's the case for a lot of people. You know, when we go to college, it's the first time you're making your own choices about how you spend your time, how you move your body. If you choose to, in my freshman year, I was like wanting to do all these diets, but I was also like excited about how I was able to eat out all the time if I wanted and also like be around people and so I ended up gaining weight my freshman year which is like not an anomaly but I did but it really flipped me out it really scared me because of like that stuff I was saying when I was younger I was like it's happening this is just what happens when you get older and I'm gonna do everything I can to not make this happen and it just yeah like I said it just really scared me and I felt very stuck and I felt like this was my fate and that there was nothing I could do about my body and that I really had associated my worth with how my body looked. And so I I actually really didn't enjoy the first half of my college, my freshman and sophomore years because of that. I mean, other factors as well, but really because of that, I, I felt like I didn't have a community and I really was attributing that to my body not, not looking the way I wanted it to look and not being thin enough really. And I, then studied abroad right smack dab in the middle of my college time. So after my sophomore year, I studied abroad. I went to Spain and got to travel while I was there. And I just had the most amazing time. I had community for the first time in my life. You know, when you're studying abroad, I I don't know if I really fully understood this as a college student, but you are so lucky because you essentially, like, don't have any real responsibilities. You don't have to work a job. You get to, like be traveling in Europe around people all the time. It's like summer camp, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's just so amazing. And so I was really happy. And I think because I was so happy, and this is what I always know is that when you're happy, you know, your body just finds its own balance. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up losing some of that weight and I just felt really great and I was really happy. And when I got back from that trip, I started to get so many compliments from people who I knew or had been in my life for a long time or had been in my life in that last year or the last few years and just saying like, wow, you look amazing. And I think in our culture when people say, wow, you lost weight or oh my gosh, you look like you lost so much weight or you're so tiny or whatever, like that comment right there, you're so tiny, like that's, why is that a compliment? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like is it a good thing for us to be small as women? You know, but that's what our, I think the way that we compliment each other often as women or in this culture, in this, in society is saying, you know, oh, you look like you lost weight when really someone's just trying to say like, you look good. You look yeah. like happy and healthy. Um, but I took that in and was so happy about that, that I was like, oh, wow, I can control this. It is in my control. This is something that I can alter and, and move and, and change if I work hard enough at it. So then I went right back into the research and like, you know, spending lots of time on the internet, 
Googling things and getting onto different diets and different cleanses and it's not even worth getting into, but I've like tried all of the things and counting all of the things and cutting out all of the foods and adding in all of the exercises and I did it all. And, you know, over a period of time, but very quickly towards the end of my college, not the year after, but the second year after my senior year, I lost a lot of weight very quickly and it was really scary. It scared a lot of people in my life and it started to spiral even more and more and more to the point it was affecting my schoolwork, it was affecting my relationships, it was affecting everything. And yeah, it just became this really big thing. And when I was in treatment for that, I realized a lot about myself and kind of got me into the work that I, and we can talk more about this, but that's when I started journaling. That's when I started to learn more about spirituality and making, you know, my life as a whole better, but it was, it was a process. And I think that that experience with that eating disorder and really having to like have that moment of that aha moment of like, I have to do things differently here. Mm-hmm. was a catalyst for me learning a lot of new things which brought me to the work that I that I do now and things that I'm into now and and just learning a lot about myself. Wow, that was amazing. I have a couple questions. Um yeah, okay. Really no, that was great. I was totally plugged in. Um okay, so I just have a few questions for the people cuz I'm thinking that the girls out there that are listening to this are probably in college or maybe just out of college or maybe didn't go to college, but I'm thinking around the age of like 18 to like 35. So yeah. um, I just have a couple like college thought process questions. Okay, because I had a very similar situation happen to me with the weight, only it was like a more of a high school thing. But mm-hmm. I was in school. Okay, so did you do the normal when it comes to comes to social events? Did you do like the normal like did you drink? Did you like party at all? Or did were you like oh, yeah, afraid of question. like what you were taking in? Were you that controlling of what you were taking in? Were you like not eating and you were drinking or were you like not drinking? Did you have yeah. boyfriends? Like Yeah, yeah. Let me give you the scoop. So <laughs> my my freshman and sophomore year, um I was like in in high school, you know, I actually grew up in a college town and in the same college town that I went to college in, which um, I I didn't live at home, but I grew up there. So that was an issue in and of itself because I felt like I was kind of having the college experience I always thought I would have, but also missing out on the fact that I didn't leave and like flock the nest kind of a thing. Um, and I was still kind of hanging around with all my high school friends. And so it all just felt very similar, you know, like we were, you know, going to college parties sort of when we, when I was younger and it wasn't like any newness and I never really enjoyed drinking. Like I never, I, I, and I still don't really have the personality type where I enjoy like go, I'm like a homebody and I'm an old lady and I always have been. And I feel like I've, I've now grown into my age, but like back then it was, you know, it was very weird that I like didn't want to drink. And I loved the nights when my friends would be like, Oh, I just don't want to go out tonight. I really want to stay in and watch a movie. Like that would be like every night for me, but I had to like make (laughs) compromises and like, just like go out and suck it up. And so I, you know, I was like a normal high schooler and college student where I would like drink and go out and you know whatever but I never particularly liked it and I was always trying to find an excuse that I couldn't go out oh I have to study or I have to whatever Mm -hmm. and like 
So whenever I did go out and drink, it was like an exciting thing for my friends. They were like, oh, my God, Katie's drinking tonight. This is going to yeah. be a good night, you know? <laughs> um, yes. Which was always, like, fun. But I never – yeah, I just, like, never particularly liked it. But I did it, and it was fine here and there, and it was whatever. But then when I really got – towards the end of college, when I really got into dieting, essentially, and – you know, I, I call it dieting now. A few years ago, I probably would have called it like health and, and wellness and, you know, being so – holding so tightly, clenching this certain way of eating and the certain way of being. And for me, it was this – it was a vegan diet, but it was so not a vegan diet. Mm-hmm. It was like gluten-free, vegan, raw, and also sugar-free. Like, you know, it was like everything yeah. free. I don't even like want to like talk about it because it was like so not like – a good situation. But with that, I was like, of course, I'm not drinking and I'm not doing any of these things. So I was like, not social. And to answer your other question with the I, I really like my dream was to like, be like in a cave with like all of my food and all the like, my idea that year of a good day was like my food was perfect. Anything mm-hmm. that happened during the day didn't matter didn't matter what I was wearing didn't matter what I did didn't matter how much I got done. Nothing mattered as long as my food and exercise were perfect. Like at night if I, you know, counted what I ate that day and it was like perfect, then it would be a good day. Like I remember when I was so in it on my birthday, like all I wanted was like the food to be perfect that day. And like it so couldn't be because it was like a special day and I was having dinner out or whatever. And it was so like stressful. And I was like, this is not what I want. And so to answer your other question, which is like so silly and kind of, I can't believe I'm sharing that, but, um, it's just like funny. And I have like 10 million other stories I could tell about that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. That's just like funny now, but like really also sad, but the boyfriend question. So I actually met my boyfriend on our study abroad trip and then we traveled together after and so that was another big factor of like why I was so happy suddenly (laughs) and why I really felt like I was just able to yeah be be so happy and so those those last two years of college I was dating him and he was just so amazing so supportive so awesome through all of it you know he really Mm -hmm. went through like the whole spectrum of things with me but he was so supportive that when I was like oh I need to have this like certain special way of eating you know he didn't really know what was going on he was like okay yeah we'll do it like okay raw vegan all right like how can I make your food how can I help you like you know everything I actually like kept all of my food at his apartment in college um and like essentially I like lived there but I he would like make all the food for, I mean, he was amazing. He was great. But it also, I think prolonged, I was so controlling in the relationship that I was kind of, it prolonged things a little bit because he was just so helpful in it, Mm -hmm. um, without meaning to be to, you know, prolong an eating disorder. He was just trying to help me as a person. I was so, you know, bullheaded with what I was allowing myself to eat and, and do. So anyway, that's good medicine right there. Especially, like, I feel like if I could have heard that, what you just said about your high school or your college boyfriend back whenever I met Colin, I was totally, I mean, I was I was in treatment, but I mean, like, I was still, he's so, he's like the sweetest guy in the world, my husband Colin. Yeah. And, uh, 
yeah, I mean, I was it was hard for me to come out of what I was dealing with because everything I was still able to get my way. Like, you know, like be like, okay, yeah, yeah I'm in recovery, but guess what? Like I can only eat at Jason's Deli and I can only get this one thing every single time I go. Yeah. Because I know how many calories or whatever. I don't even remember what it was that I was freaking out about at the time. But I mean and I did the like and I am vegan now, but I did the whole like vegan a not vegan thing like i mean i probably wouldn't have cared if i saw roadkill on the road at the time do you know what i mean like but i was but i was still you know going to eat super clean and um oh my gosh and that's the thing about veganism like i think there's a way to be vegan for vanity and then there's a way to be vegan for you know, I think health, being vegan for health and vanity, like, is a slippery slope because when I ask people, like, oh, is it for health? I think a lot of times it can be like, oh, but it's actually to alter my weight. You know, like, yeah. it's for health, but if I lose weight, that would be really great. You know, so it's mm-hmm. like, I think when it's about, you know, I think the lifestyle and for animals and like all of that stuff is like amazing and great, but I think people, come to it for the wrong reasons often and stay at it, you know, being plant-based, which I am, you know, as well. I think it's like, it's, it's a totally different thing. It's a totally different. It's so different. Situation. It's so hard to explain to, especially to like, just, I mean, like to loving people in your life. If you, if you are vegan, like I, like we are, and, and just for it to look like it did, do you know what I mean? Like to look like a control thing or like you're weird about food still. And it's just like, For me, I definitely – it's something that I'm still, like, not dealing with, but just, like, I still – every time it comes up, I have to, like, check myself before I, like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I actually have – like, I have have moral roots in what I'm – what I'm I'm doing, and it also makes me feel better. But, I mean, I had no – I had no, you know – commitment to how things were making veganism was making me feel back when I was younger like I just wanted to look different you know I wanted to yeah look yeah yeah me too and I think that's you know a big way that people come to it and you know now I'm just all about like no labels at all like I just don't yeah. want to confuse people with labels and I just I I you know kind of veer away from all of that but yeah I think it's an easy it's an easy thing when you're young, and, and this is the case for me, for me to put myself in these boxes and to have these clear labels because I, it was like a way for me to tell my family and my friends, like, this is an excuse. And I wanted to mention this before, too, when you were asking about, like, the drinking thing. It was like I put myself in the, these, you know, I became I, – I gave myself a new identity by putting myself in these boxes of veganism or gluten-free or the healthy girl around or whatever because – the wellness wonderland. Like I, I put myself in these boxes to be like, this is an excuse of like why I can't eat out with you at that location or why I don't want to go out to that party and drink or why I, you know, at this family thing, why I'm not going to eat all the food you serve to me. It was like a way for me to like have an excuse where it's like all of those things, like I don't have to do them, but I was really bad at saying no. And this lifestyle or that lifestyle gave me an excuse. Whereas now I don't, if I don't want to eat all of the, you know, food served at a 
thing, I can, I don't have to like say, well, I don't eat that and make a rule for myself. I can just be like, I don't really want that right now. Mm -hmm. Or, and, and then just trust that people are going to like respect that. And if they don't, like they don't and that's fine, but like the choice is mine. And I didn't realize that then. And same thing with like going out or drinking, like I can just say, I don't, I would, except that I don't want to, you know, like I don't have to make this, I don't have to like use that identity as an excuse. It's so true to come to like to own what you want to do, what you don't want to do and like to be aware of that's the actual like if you actually don't want to differentiate between, you know, that and then it being like a food fear or it being like some sort of like anxiety fear, like some sort of control based decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally, totally relate to that. Um, the labels thing is so interesting that you bring that up because I just did this big blog post and I've done one in the past for everyone that has been, you know, around for a long time about, uh, you know, we went vegan like we went vegan last year, like outwardly vegan, like, yo, guys, we're vegan because uh, we were I, I really didn't want to announce it or like put it in my bio or anything because we it was definitely something Colin and I decided on our own. But anyway, lately I've just been, you know, struggling with like being intuitive and listening to my body and then feeling like I only like I wanted eggs at every single meal. And I wrote a blog post about it because I basically was just like, if I did eat an egg, you guys would probably honestly never know. Because if I was, you know, I mean, just setting boundaries for the Internet because I've been dealing with some boundary issues with my social media situation. Anyway, um, yeah, I was just like, you guys, I mean, that. It, if I were as my own client, because I am a health coach, I would probably mm-hmm. tell myself to listen to my body. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Did you eat the eggs? I didn't eat the eggs. I did not eat the eggs yet. Um, not that I'm saying I'm going to everyone that's freaking out or like she's vegan, but I did get so much I positive think- feedback from everyone. They were like, oh my God, we are not like, we're not going to judge you. Like we're not... Does that oh, make sense? That's so it was good, so good. It wasn't bad backlash. About vegans, I will say, is like on the internet, they I have seen with some of my friends that they can be Jordan Younger. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Younger, but and and lots of other ones. My friend Nikki, um, I was just with her in, in Toronto. She's Health and Nut Nutrition on mm-hmm. on YouTube, and, oh, yeah. and she's not she doesn't call herself vegan, but she's plant based. Um, but she recently used an egg in one of her recipes and just got this like mm-hmm. uproar of people being like just saying these like terrible things about her and her like and I was just like oh my god you just used an egg in a recipe like you didn't kill someone yeah this is crazy it's so, so anyway. it's nuts I mean I definitely oh no sorry go ahead no I was just probably agreeing with what you're saying I definitely like I put that in the post like I was just talking about how, like, I don't put myself on a... I don't give myself a gold star for being a vegan, like, on an ethical level, and then I just think everybody else is trash. So I don't, like, agree whenever people treat, like, social media and, like, bloggers and things like that. Like, oh, you failed. You know, you're the worst. Because for me, I just, like, it's not you guys's... It's not a failure. It's just... It's just I'm doing the best that I can for the environment because we're, like... It came from an environmental standpoint for us, you know, just the impact that, like, mm-hmm. the meat industry and the dairy industry and the egg industry have on the world. And uh, for me, it was, like, yeah, just that conscious decision to, like, change the environment and do what I can. And I think being vegan at its core is to to reduce, you know, animal violence and the impact that it has on the environment the best that you can. But we're all human beings. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and everybody's body is different. And there are some people who, you know, try to eat a plant-based lifestyle and really, really, like... Struggle. Cannot do it. And, like, for them, you know, maybe it's eating meat less a week. Or, you know, it's being more conscious of where you get your animal products or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think there's, like, lots of different ways people can try their best to help the environment and, and help you know with keeping their per their bodies in mind and yeah I just think being respectful of humans first of course animals and of course the environment but we should really be respectful to each other above all yeah. you know it's so true especially when it comes to like for me personally and just like anybody that I've ever known that has struggled is just like your mental health is so important too. And like, yeah, your physical health, if you want to eat plant-based, cool, do it. But I mean, like, if you're going to obsess, it was, it. I may have been you, but there was something that I was listening to and it was basically like, if you're going to like panic and freak out over eating, yeah, you know, like, me. yeah, the perfect smoothie bowl or whatever, or like be really happy yeah. and eat a French fry, then eat your fucking French fry. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah it's about like a coach told me this once but she was like if it's going to stress you out more to not eat the thing eat the thing because Mm -hmm. stress is always worse for you than whatever it is that you were going to eat in the first place that's beautiful that's a good segue that's a good segue into okay so we got to you being you know going through the treatment for your um your food issues and Mm -hmm. um you you struggled with balancing your food, but did your balancing act with food trickle into your, like, work life or your relationships or yeah. money or, you know what I mean? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think it, yeah, I think it trickled into kind of every area of my life at the time. Luckily or maybe not luckily, I was really young when this was happening, so I was... It was my senior year of college primarily where I was, you know, really hit rock bottom with that and was in treatment for that. And then, you know, I I say that my healing is like still happening and has been happening like since then for the last four years. Yeah, yeah. It's like always something. Yeah, that's so real. That's always could make me cry. That's so true. Like Mm. the healing is still always happening yeah it was definitely taking over my life but I think the interesting thing and this is something that I've spoken about on my podcast and also have spoken about quite a lot with my friend Christy Harrison who also has a podcast called yes yeah the fact of how many people who have had eating disorders when their career is in a malleable place their career ends up taking a turn into something like food or health or wellness or becoming Mm -hmm. like a nutritionist or a dietitian or a food writer or a chef or a health coach a health coach (laughs) I think she said 70% of dietitians have eating disorders actively like as they're being dietitians All of these things are were definitely the case for me you know I wanted to blog and be a yoga teacher and you know, talk about health and wellness because I was, that was what my interest was. Whereas like five years before that, when I wasn't so obsessed with food in my body, I had always wanted to be the same thing. Always. Since I was a young kid, you know, I was very into like performing in the arts and 
And then I wanted to be a TV news reporter. I wanted to be a broadcast journalist, and, and that's what I studied in school. And I just completely let that go. And I was like, no, I want to be a blogger, and I want to talk about health and wellness. And I just completely was like, I don't want to do TV news anymore. And I and I say now that it was because, you know, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not competitive, and you have to be really, you know, eager and competitive and move to a small market and work your way up. And I didn't want to do that. And, and I'm sure that that was part of it. But I also, I was too weak to do that when I graduated from college. I, I didn't have it in me. I didn't have the, you know, the early morning hours, but I was, I was too underweight and I was too sick. I, I was too weak. I couldn't physically do it. So I had to kind of come up with something else. And then, you know, I, I do kind of wonder what my career trajectory would have been if I hadn't been actively in the middle of an eating disorder when I graduated from college and my life was kind of beginning as an adult at least. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And, and I think at the same time, I think I clung to the eating disorder during that time because my life was so uncertain and I, that was a certain thing I could cling to. And that was some control I could have in the midst of not feeling like I had much control other than that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a lot of those factors, but I do often wonder what my career trajectory would have been, although I'm very happy how it turned out and it can still go in any, you know, myriad of yeah. directions from here. I'm not, you know, I hope I have many careers in my life and I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what I'll be doing in a year or five years or whatever, but the last, you know, four since then have been pretty nice. So, Wow. Um, there was a couple things that totally came up for me while you were talking about that just now. And I want to get to both, but I don't want to lose one while we talk about the other. Okay. 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 Right so, um, I want to talk about side hustles for one. And then also just because I'm in the midst of one right now, but before we go there, I would love to just briefly for everyone listening, touch on what you said about the health coaches and the dietitians and everything out there. And mm -hmm. I want to specifically mention or ask, like, just kind of like pros, like what you think. Um, let's just talk about it. Uh, okay, so social media and all of the, because I'm guilty of like thinking this way and surfing through them. And I know that I need to do like, and I did like a week long, like Instagram kind of like layoff where I just checked in for a couple days, but I didn't scroll through feeds or anything. Basically, like the whole like dietitian, health coach, what else were we speaking? I don't know. Um, just yeah. food blogging persona that like leads everyone that's following these people to see not only this like beacon of like beautiful photography, yeah. but also this beautiful woman who's uh, seemingly perfect, seemingly making so much money. Like, you know what I mean? Like just like having oh, this totally. perfect life being beautiful, yeah. being fit, having infinite time to exercise, yeah. eat perfectly, food prep, take make food prep, like come take the perfect on, picture of be beautiful, toast. be happy all the time. Like, come on. Um, do you think that these people, I mean, I don't really know. I don't need to speak for anyone, but I mean, like, I think it's really important for everyone listening, even like to look at people like you and I, who are really open about, you know, our actual lives and not just what we have on Instagram and our actual histories and not just what we like want people to think um, that, you know, these people 
do you do we think that they have active eating disorders or are we are we thinking they're just we're just seeing what they want us to see at the end of the day so it's like i definitely like when you mentioned that i was like omg I definitely think so. And then I was like, OMG, but there's also the social media lie that makes that we need to take into account for everybody too. I mean, like both things I feel like deserve to be noted and deserve to be thought of before we compare ourselves to these blog, the infinite amount of like, but you know what, again, what you're saying about the media, the white female bloggers, do you know what I mean? Like we're only looking at a very select few amount of people. Does yeah, that make sense? it does. Can I give some feedback on Go. that? Go, I'm ready. <laughs> so I think there's a, a couple of things, and I don't know if you have like a specific question on that, or like, or no, if you're just, just asking kind of what I what I feel about that. I I think there's it's it's interesting because I've really changed my tune on this in the last two or three years, and there's. And I don't really post my food anymore. I don't really post about food anymore. And I used to quite a bit. And because I idealized all of the health coaches, all of the, you know, food bloggers, and I wanted to be one of them, you know, I I so desperately wanted to be one of them. And I think, you know, the first piece of what you spoke about there of like the fact that it is curated and for their business as a health coach, they're showing the parts that they want to show and they're not showing the other parts. And I think that that's, that's fine. It's supposed to be like an idealized thing. And I, and I get that, but I think it is dangerous because people will look at that and it's like there they might be even like a health coach or someone who's like preaching listen to your body and everything in moderation and intuitive eating but then they're only showing pictures of like kale and you know healthy foods and vegetables when in reality they're eating a lot of that but they're also having you know a treat here and there or having a meal that's like not as healthy with their family out and making it work or they're traveling and they're, you know, getting something at the airport that's like fast food or whatever. Right. And they're not tweeting pictures of that or they're not Instagramming photos of that. And I think that is actually doing more harm than good to their audience because I know for me, when I was so in it, I would look to these people that I made gurus and I would just be like, okay, this blogger, she's so pretty. She has the beautiful body, beautiful home, beautiful career, beautiful husband. Like I'm going to just eat exactly what she eats and I'm going to have all that too, you know? And so I would like look at her and there was this big trend back then. I think people still do it now. I probably just like ignore it of like what I eat in a day. And Mm. I would just be like, I'm going to eat exactly what they eat in a day. And then I'll look just like them. And I think now, you know, if I looked at what someone ate in a day, I'd be like, oh, cool. I'm going to eat something different maybe. And that's fine too. But like back then I was so susceptible to it that it wasn't a good thing for me, but I think it's really important to know that like that's just one day in someone's life and that they might not be sharing the, you know, the times where they had to make it work at an airport, you know? And so when yeah. I was trying to make it work at an airport, mm-hmm. I'm comparing myself to their, you know, Instagram feed on the regular and I'm like, ah, oh, but I'm so terrible because I'd eat, you know, Chipotle or what and I don't even think that's like unhealthy or I had to you know whatever I had to do I had to like make something work and I feel bad about myself and so I think it's really important to share our vulnerability and to share that with 
with our audience about just like making it work. Um, at the same time, I realized that like we want our Instagram to be this like beautiful curated place. And I, I think now having multiple social medias that are for kind of different things, I think I find that really helpful for me as like a social media person. I, I like my Instagram to kind of be this like beautiful, inspiring magazine that people can like scroll through the feed and it makes them feel less alone or it makes them, you know, nostalgic for something or I can like post a funny meme or whatever. And I don't really post that much about, um, my life other than like my podcast and my stuff. But I'm, I'm also, and I, I mean, I'm posting a lot about my life, but I'm not necessarily posting every meal or anything like that. Whereas like, I'd be more likely to show what I'm actually doing or what real life looks like, or when I'm frustrated or when I'm feeling whatever on Snapchat or I guess now Instagram stories or whatever, when it can be a little bit more raw and real and impermanent. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's really good to share, you know, what it, the behind the scenes of like what life actually looks like for people because again it can like make people feel less alone and it's not it's not so idealistic and I think that's important to see and like there was this funny meme around that I think I posted maybe like a year ago and it was just like white text that said you know just keeping it really simple today with my oatmeal I've got you know bee pollen goji berries unicorn hearts <laughs> like um, a little bit of sprinkled guru powder, blah, 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 berries, berries I harvested wild and, and then I have some coconut oil and this and that and it like goes on and on and on and it's like to be funny, right? It goes yeah. on and on every part of every type of superfood you could ever think of plus like really funny made up stuff and I was just like, oh my God, that was so me three, four years ago because I was constantly on my Instagram posting like my salad, just being like, kept it super simple today, you know, farmer's market greens and this and that and dulse and this and that and seaweed and special this and that to the point where I was like constantly getting comments from people being like, recipe please, recipe please. And like, where's this and that? And like, really, I just threw it together in my kitchen. But I was like tagging, you know, vegan food eats and this and that, like wanting to be part of that community and wanting to be one of those food bloggers and like so like just, I don't know, like being like proud of what I'd eaten that Mm -hmm. day in a way that like didn't feel good of like I shouldn't be that proud of like my food like it was good and I ate it and it was, I want to like be proud of my creative work and what I put out there and not you know this is what I ate and that's interesting whereas now like if I'm if my friend makes me a really beautiful smoothie and like I think it's really pretty and she takes a photo of it and I want to share that I will or if like I'm at a party and somebody makes such a beautiful spread, like, and I want to share that, I will, or, you know, whatever. If I particularly enjoyed a picture of my salad I made for whatever reason, and it, the lighting was good, I might share it. So I'm not going to say I'm like never going to, but I'm kind of asking why I'm sharing the photos I'm sharing. If it's like to commend myself for how clean my eats are, or to get validation of like, yes, wow, you're so healthy, then I'm not I don't need to post that, you know, if it's like a memory yeah. of place and I want to share, like I'll post it then. But anyway, it's just about kind of no, or, or the opposite way of like when I was posting, if I was to post something like I'm, you know, having this, what people would consider like a cheat food or a special food or something like, I don't want to posted that just to be like, look, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Aren't I great? I can have this. Like, I don't want to post for that reason either. So I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just a little bit more mindful and ask myself more questions and and 
I don't know, just trying to be as real as I can, but also knowing that social media is curated. Just like if I, I want to be real when people come to my house, but I also, it's okay that I want to clean up a little bit when people come over and, you know, put away my shoes. I constantly leave by the door, you know, whatever. So that's such a good one. I actually, I just heard this interview about like, or it was Jessica Marie and she was talking about, um, she was talking about haters on the internet and she was, it's funny that you said house because I don't know if you've heard this interview of hers, but she was talking about, um, how whenever a hater comments something negative on your Instagram page, it's basically like some, like inviting someone over and then them shitting on your couch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so, it's so true. It's like so funny, but, um, well, it works for both the things we were saying about yeah, you know, wanting so, to clean up before they come over, exactly, but also like, but don't they sh- need to be respectful when they come over as well. That's so true. Or you can just stay like just stay out, like stay away. Um, but okay, so what I was saying about side hustle is just because I want people to hear that, like you know, uh, and I don't know if you even have a side hustle right now, but I know that you've mentioned it in the past that you like choose to make, you know, money in different ways. And uh, sometimes I don't know if you are currently, but while while you um, are growing what it is that you love doing and are making space for your passion projects and things that you want to create and things that you want to talk about and people you want to talk to and provide the lifestyle that you want to be able to you know lead even if it is like setting goals and like working to achieve those goals and even if you are like working a side job in addition to being an entrepreneur which I think you are you wrote a book I mean you know you're you're doing your thing but um I recently came out about having you know people were always asking me like where's like your money coming from like what are you doing because I did have a vintage shop and then I shut that down. I just kind of moved forward and I rebranded my blog and I ditched the shop and it's it's kind of complex. But um, yeah. yeah, I think it always is. Yeah, <laughs> it's always kind of and I love hearing you talk about it um, in your podcast. But yeah. Um, yeah, just giving yourself more space to do whatever it is so you don't have to limit yourself. And uh, yeah, but yeah, so I recently, it's funny that we were talking about hair and salons earlier because I recently took a position at my friend's salon, which sounds, I don't even cool. know if I can call it a salon. It's like a barbershop-ish thing, but it's like a super trendy, really cool, vibed place. And I do their oh, I social- bet it's like my friends. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, if you're working there, it's probably super cool. And I feel uh, like my friend's place is super cool. Well, so. they did. They just did my hair. So, like, I'm feeling very, like, fresh when I'm representing Me the company. <laughs> I just got mine done, too. Yes. Friday. Oh, it looked amazing. But um, my, like, I... My side hustle is I do social media for that company. I do social media for another local company. I get paid by the hour, which is awesome. And I can do it whenever I want, which is awesome. Um, And then I work three days a week for them. I also sometimes do coaching with clients. But um, I have taken a step back from that. And I am looking to start seeing a couple clients here and there because I have had a lot of people reach out to me. But I don't take weight loss clients like that's not something that I do it's just <laughs> I don't do that I, I'm like I want to give you a huge <laughs> virtual high five boom I just did it to the camera um but yeah I yeah I can't I, I just can't I mean even though I don't I don't really believe that that's something that I one should like I shouldn't speak on that even though I have lost and kept off a lot of weight 
that was based on like my health history. But yeah, I can't do the weight loss stuff. I'm really particular. I definitely want to work with people that want to learn their bodies and want to, you know, learn how to cook basically, (laughs) you know, like, like have fun with food. But um, anyway, I just wanted to hear because I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to humanize you know bloggers and yeah. personalities on the internet. Oh, and it's so good to talk about. Whether you want like you don't have to share anything that you do on the side to make money, but just maybe your thoughts on like oh my god yeah I'll like share what it, it all. yeah go for it. Well, this is this is great, and I just did a live episode of of my podcast in Toronto, and mm-hmm. and we were we were talking about this because one of my guests, also she is Nikki, who I actually mentioned earlier. She is a huge YouTuber. She has, I I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people, and is huge. And she works a full time job as well. And we were talking about this because I do too, and it's something that. I think is important to talk about because whenever I say that people are shocked and people are like, Oh, but you wrote this book and you have this podcast and you've been doing it for so long. And it's like, yeah, I do. But I, and I used to not talk about it because I felt like it would mean that I, it would delegitimize what I was doing online if I wasn't making 100% of my income through it. Mm -hmm. I thought it would make me less than or I thought people would not take me seriously because it was just a hobby where it is a hobby. I'm not going to say just a hobby. It's a hobby that takes up a lot of my time, like so much of my time and energy and something I think about a lot and something I love and something that's given me so much. So I think it's more than a hobby, but it's also not everything to me. And I think that that's important because – my my thing is and this this all shifted and i became more comfortable speaking about this when i heard from elizabeth gilbert before her book big magic came out she said in an interview about big magic that before it had even come out it was like several months before it came out that which made me like so excited for her book and i when it came out i read it i pre-ordered it and then read it in a day because i was like so excited about it there's this part in the book have you read her book I have not. I was going to – You will love it. I was going to ask you some questions after the show about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. But anyway, there's this part in it where she talks about how you should never put the pressure on your creative work to make you money because if the second you do is the second you compromise the work. Mm. And eventually it can make you money and that's fine. It can take care of you. But if you go into a new project with the intent of it making you money, it will change the project. And as soon as I heard that, I like took a big sigh of relief and like my shoulders dropped and I was like, ah, it's okay. It's okay that I'm, you know, not an entrepreneur yesterday officially or exclusively, you know, because like you said, I am an entrepreneur. I just also make money other ways. And I, yeah, and so I think that that really helped me out. And and she said she gave an example from her life that, you know, I'm sure people have heard of Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote the book Eat, Pray, Love that became a movie that Julia Roberts starred in. And yeah. she, you know, obviously made a lot of money through that. But she said that even – she had written books before that, but she did not leave her side hustle, her other job, and become a full-time writer until after – Eat, Pray, Love was a huge success. Not after she wrote it, not after, you know, her other books, after it was Eat, Pray, Freaking Love, which was like a humongous success if people don't know. So it's like, wow, it really hit me hard of like, oh, 
I, it's okay. I, I don't have to like rush into entrepreneurship. And I think there's like this trend online of like email marketing and B school and online, like you can make, make your passion, your profession and all of that. And like, I'm not making fun of any of that. Like I honestly like, dude, I want to do that yeah. too. Like I get it. It's, it's amazing. It's great. But I think rushing into that stuff can be so alluring. And it was for me for so long where I kind of, I transferred my obsession with health and wellness and, you know, veganism and all of these things I was constantly listening to podcasts on and constantly doing it. I I transferred it to spirituality and personal growth. And then after I did that, I transferred it to entrepreneurship and internet marketing and like organization and productivity. So I just, you know, we transfer addictions, right? So I went from being obsessed with health and health and wellness to being obsessed with personal growth and spirituality and self-development to being obsessed with, you know, online business and, and entrepreneurship and business in general. And now I'm obsessed with creativity and relationships and having a really beautiful life and community and, and all of those things. And I still, you know, think business is fascinating and I still think entrepreneurship is cool. And I still, you know, like I said, I love healthy eating and I love spirituality, but it's like all of those things. It's not about getting so obsessed or rushing into anything. Okay. So you, that was amazing. I loved all of that. I was just nodding the whole time. Um, okay. So we're coming up on an hour right now, but, um, that doesn't really matter. I just wanted to give you a little, you know, a little heads up. Um, but I, you touched on your spirituality and you became obsessed with that. And we don't have to dive into that about like how you became obsessed with that. But I would love to just kind of hear like your philosophy currently because you were saying that you've kind of transferred your, you know, obsession, a.k.a. you're kind of balancing, which is awesome. And um, and like you said, you're always learning. Um, but um, so I was just curious where – yeah, like what's your what's your spiritual philosophy? I mean, it's it gets, it's personal. I totally know, but currently, kind of like how it got started. I know that you've worked with Gabby Bernstein, which is just insanely crazy fangirl. Oh my gosh, um, about that. But yeah, yeah. So your question is, where I'm at with <laughs> spirituality yeah. today? Yes, and I know that. Did you do the Spirit Junkie Masterclass? Yeah, I did it. Yes. The- the first one she ever did she kind of I Gabby kind of uses me still as like her focus group because I was for so long well and I still am but I like was her like biggest fangirl and so she would like whenever she had an idea for anything she'd be like hey what would you think of this and what would you want and how would you like dream this up to be because I was kind of her go-to focus group and I feel like the first spirit junkie masterclass was was totally that for me and it was like such a cool full circle moment for for me and for her but yeah no she's amazing and and she kind of i credit her with me understanding that spirituality and developing a relationship of your own understanding to god the universe power greater than you, something, a force in the universe that connects all of us. She was kind of the first one that kind of put me onto that path. I I grew up Catholic, like very Catholic, like going to Catholic school and 
um, not necessarily like being very Catholic myself, but like being very like traditionally Catholic with the tradition of it. And then just really felt like it was very uncool and it was just, I kind of disconnected from all of it because it was just very like polarizing to me. And, but I always kind of felt like there was something greater than me kind of, or I wanted to. And when I discovered Gabrielle Bernstein's work and I, I found her work when I was healing my eating disorder, someone, someone recommended it to me, which I was so happy that they did. And, um, and I ended up at the end of that, getting to intern with Gabby and getting to know her as a person. And that, that was beautiful and and it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm so grateful that she's been able to be part of my life. But I think now with spirituality, I, I find it something that is much like diet in the way that I think we're all different and we all have a different tendency for what we believe in. And I see it as a spectrum where, you know, some people fall more on the side of believer and have a tendency to believe that we're all connected and that there's something bigger when we die. And then there's other people who really believe, you know, like dead over and it just is what it is and, and have more of a tendency to believe that. And I think, you know, I fall somewhere in the middle, definitely more on the side. I want to be more on the side of understanding and peace and a power greater than our myself that connects us all and this ever present supporting energy of love around us. And so I choose to be on that side, I think. And I am, you know, for the most part on, on happy days, I, it's easy on the challenging days. It's, it's more difficult, but that's, that's where I want to be. And I, it's a constant practice for me to stay there. And I really look at this is something we kind of can define for ourselves as we get older. There's this great book by Danny Shapiro called Devotion that I read in high school, I think. And randomly, it's a memoir about her life. My aunt would just kind of give me books she was done with and I would just read them. You know, I had a summer desk job at a pool and I would just like read what it was before. Like you had phones you could play on. So I would just like read her books. And she gave me this book devotion by Danny Shapiro. And this book really discusses, you know, how this, this person found her own spirituality and found her own belief system because you know, she grew up Jewish. And then she ends up going on this journey of like her parents both died tragically. And so she figures out, you know, how she wants to raise her son. And so she ends up kind of meeting like a Buddhist monk and also a rabbi and also a yogi. And she kind of formed this take. She kind of uses all of these things as a buffet and and takes what she wants and leaves the rest. And I find that so beautiful. And and that book was kind of an aha moment for me of, of being like, okay, I can you know, choose what I want. I can take what I want from these different paths and and Mm -hmm. cultivate my own belief system. And so that was one watershed moment. And then, you know, finding Gabby and, and realizing that spirituality can be cool, (laughs) I think was another for sure, as as silly as that sounds. And then I think to, to take it to more recently, I think it's constantly changing and evolving, but 
it's a constant practice for me of staying connected and staying what I call in the flow, right? Which is, you know, I used to call it like in my wellness wonderland, in the flow where I'm connected and things are going my way and the lights are green and you find the parking spot and the person you were thinking about that you want to text you, text you back and you get the email that you want and, you know, you're really creative and things are flowing, right? Like that to me is... God, you know, like that Mm -hmm. to me is like being in the flow. That to me is like the universe. That's the universe has my back, as Gabby says, you know, that is really great. And it's about staying connected and staying in that. And then when I'm out of that, it's about coming back to that. And one thing that has really helped me, and I promise I'm like wrapping this up because I could talk about this all day, but we need to (laughs) sometime is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I was going to say that was like a real watershed moment that I've had very recently was I had Josh Radner on my podcast, and he's like really important to me. He, his work is, is very meaningful to me. And he, for, for people who don't know, he's an actor. He was in How I Met Your Mother. He's Ted Mosby in that. And he, which I, I, I didn't find him through that show. He's also a, a writer and has written and directed two movies, Happy Thank You More Please and Liberal Arts, which both are kind of Trojan horses for more spiritual ideas or concepts, kind of. They're just really entertaining comedies and, you know, interesting movies, but they also have these, like, you know, interesting themes in them, and, and especially in Happy Thank You More Please. And he, when he came on my podcast, he said this thing about how if you're thinking about, like, the Ten Commandments and this one commandment of, and he did a way better job of explaining this, but I I don't know, I just feel like called to share it right now because it was so helpful to me. But he said that, you know, that if you think about the Ten Commandments, the, the first one, which I hadn't thought about in years, but the first one is like, I'm paraphrasing God, I guess right now, but it's basically like put God before anything else, like put, you know, love God or whatever. It's something like that. And he was saying that what that he thinks that that really means is actually like worship something greater than yourself and not false idols. So it's, it's, he gave this analogy of it's like saying to a child in a really busy mall, hold on to my hand. And you're not saying it like, hold on to my hand because I'm so self-absorbed and like I need you to, you know, worship me and like hold on to my hand. It's saying, hold on to my hand because if you don't, I'm afraid you're going to get lost. And the that analogy really got me because I always had looked at that commandment or like that view of God or religion or spirituality as like, you know, kind of what what I've heard, you know, one of my favorite comedians calls like the Will Smith God, the like superstar God who's like, put me above everything else because like I'm the best and like yeah. watch me like yeah. this like big person up in the sky. And so like I looked at that as like <laughs> I don't want to worship that God necessarily. But what I think Josh Radner was saying with that example was like put your relationship with a power greater than yourself, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. I think there's a lot of power in words and people can get very like put off by using the word God. But I think what he's saying is like, if you worship God or if you worship like other things, like 
you know, your career or fame or being skinny or having a certain relationship or having a certain amount of money. Like if you worship all these other things, you're going to find you can do that and that's fine. It's not a big deal. But eventually you'll find that they're empty and you'll need something else. You'll get famous and you'll realize it's not about fame or you'll get the relationship and you'll want, you know, a better one or you'll get the book deal and you'll realize you want something else after that. You want another book deal or whatever it is, right? Like all these things happen in our life and we we constantly want more. So I think the analogy he gave about like finding, putting a relationship with spirituality or God or whatever above anything else in your life is really important because it's like that kid in the mall, like hold on to my hand, put me first just so you don't get lost. I don't want you to get lost because when you do, you'll find you can go and search those other stores or search, you know, these other things, but you're going to find that they're empty. So just like hold on to me and like, I'll lead you where you're supposed to go and it's going to be okay. And so I just kind of like always have that in my mind of like, hold on to something's hand. Like I've got you. And so I I try to stay connected because when I do stay connected and I do put something greater than myself above anything else in my life, I find that I'm in the flow more. I'm getting my creative work done. I'm better in my relationships. I'm better in my job. I'm better in everything. The lights are green. I find the parking spot, whatever, when I'm connected first. That was so long. I hope 90% 90% of that at least made sense. No, that was delicious. I really, really resonated with that. I was like, wow, just sitting back in my chair like, wow. And I would love to share a little bit more after I, um, after the end of the podcast just with you. Um, but, wow, that's amazing. I am so inspired by that. I'm, and I know you said some people get turned off by, like, saying God. I'm kind of one of those people, so I'm glad that you said that. And I don't even mean to. I yeah. get it. I get it. I definitely get it. Like, I'm, I've grown up. My mom is, like, was always a huge um, Oprah's, Oprah? I'm sorry, Oprah, Super Soul Sunday kind of person. I grew up with all of that, and I grew up I'm 22 so I mean whenever it came out when I was like 17 I mean we've been watching it ever since so I mean I've always been around a very inclusive type of like outlook but recently I have been a little (laughs) lacking definitely have a really amazing relationship with the universe whenever I do tap in like I'm when I am in the flow yeah Um, it's all about tapping in yeah I definitely have a weird thing with God just because I feel like it's it's such a This is going to sound possibly a little extreme to some of you out there who are, like, not really resonating with this. Um, It's kind of uh, masculine to me. And I definitely – I feel like it – like, the universe are just, like – I feel like I'm getting a big hug from, like, more of, like, a motherly, like, feminine, like, nurturing, loving connection is what I feel. I don't feel, like, the governing – like damning, like godly, like that's how I associate God. So I definitely yeah, like. Yeah, I, I think it's important to change the language then because, like, for me, I feel and felt the same way about that word God, especially at first. Any like talk of God or Jesus or like anything was like very off-putting to me because mm-hmm. of my upbringing and like how I felt about those things with Catholicism and like where I totally. Grew up. But then I actually heard 
Gabby Bernstein using the word God left and right and like talking about Jesus. And even though she grew up Jewish, but like she was like, oh, yeah, Jesus was like this dude. And like he's so spiritual and cool. And like it like again, it made it cool because I was like, well, Gabby's really cool and normal and legit and happy. Like maybe this God thing is like just another word for like a force in the universe that connects us all or whatever. So, you know, I still prefer the word universe, but like if I have a friend who I know, like, for instance, like one of my best friends, like she's totally spiritual and open and liberal and cool, but like she uses the word God, like it just works for her. But I know we're talking about the same thing. Totally. That's how I am. Mm -hmm. I'm in the flow is the same thing as her being like, yeah, God totally found this parking spot. You know, like I get it. No, like a different thing that we can say, but I think it's important to like use what, what works for you. Whereas like now I'm kind of good with whatever, but, and I say that in my book, like at the right at the very beginning, I'm like, I'm going to use the word God maybe, but like, don't be freaked out. Or I might use the word universe again. If you like God, don't be freaked out. Like I'm going to use them interchangeably, but like they're all good. They're all fine. It's, it doesn't really matter. It's just semantics. Okay. And so you mentioned your book and I think we'll kind of close it out with this. Um, besides I have a little quick fire after this, but okay. So we didn't, I feel like so shitty. We didn't even really talk about your book, but I like love that. Yeah. I would love to hear, um, if you could just explain a little bit more about your book, let it out a journal through journaling. Um, obviously the title is a little self-explanatory, but I would love for you to share, um, just kind of the reasoning behind it and how journaling can help ground and help you be mindful or whatever. Yeah. I'll give like a short version. And if people have questions, just ask us and I'll tell you more. But basically during that time, I was so obsessed with self-help and personal growth that I it was like addicted to it. You know, like I said, I transferred my addiction with food and body stuff to personal growth and self-help and spirituality. And so I, after graduation from college, had a gift card and I was in a bookstore and I was in the self-help section, like looking for another self-help book or like cookbook or something to buy. And I was just like, Ugh, I don't need any of these. And I wandered into the stationery section and bought a journal and ended up spending that entire summer writing in this journal. Nobody told me to, but intuitively I just was like, this is going to be good. (laughs) And it was, I I was able to be raw and authentic and myself for the first time, maybe ever, or at least in a really long time. And I have a personality where like, I really want people to like me. So even in therapy with my therapist, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to be completely vulnerable and raw and real because I want her to like me, you know? Um, and I was afraid. And and so with this, I was able to really let it all out, which is like where the name came from and be authentic and vulnerable and real. And it really helped with self-awareness and developing self-awareness, I think is so crucial because it helps me getting to know myself. I was able to get to know other people because when you know yourself, you can bring that vulnerability to your relationships as like step two and, and to your creativity and your output in general. And so that was, that was really great. And, and, and so beautiful for me, I I started to kind of 
recommend it to friends here and there and be like, you know, I do this thing called like journaling. Have you ever journaled? Like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. And, and then they would be like, oh, you know, no, I'm not a writer. I wouldn't have anything to say, blah, blah, blah. And I realized, you know, that I'm also not a writer and I didn't really have anything to say, but somehow I found it cathartic and somehow it gave me relief. So I ended up kind of giving people journaling prompts here and there. And eventually it became my idea for my book. And my book is, like you said, called Let It Out. And it's organized into different sections about getting organized. You know, there's, and it's 55, getting organized, healing, feeling. I kind of like went ahead of myself speaking there. And the bulk of the book is very experiential. It's very interactive. It's 55 journaling tools, journaling prompts to help you feel your feelings and help you heal and help you declutter, organize, or be creative or, you know, with relationships, there's a tool for everything. It's kind of like my greatest hits album of like everything I learned in the last, you know, four years or so. And yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. Okay. So, um, I can't, I totally ordered it. By the way, I ordered it and um, I told Colin to order it. I was on a, oh my God, I was on a walk listening to your podcast. And I was like, babe, can you order this book? And about two days later, Amazon Prime, we have Amazon Prime. And I was like, where's my book? And he he kept, he he was like, I kept checking for it. I don't know. And we use his brother's Amazon Prime. And apparently our card, we've got new cards and I forgot. And so it just bounced back and like never got it in the mail. But um, I'm going to get it. I need it because I, my journaling, uh, and I heard you talking about this. I get so sleepy at night and I like can't ever get more than just a few like things down on a you know on a page about like what I've accomplished today you know what I mean but yeah I think you'll I think you'll really like the book I tried doing the yes yes thank you more please um yeah happy thank you more please yeah happy thank you okay that's what it was and I um that was really fun just to change it up I definitely did that yeah have you seen that movie I haven't I just heard you talking about it (laughs) you gotta see the movie you gotta see the movie before you listen to my podcast with Josh Radner when that one comes out oh my god I'll have to yeah we'll watch it we've been looking for a movie but we keep getting stuck on the horror section and then we're like no you know you know how it goes okay so where can everybody find you I'm pretty easy to find all over the internet. You know, can just like give me a quick Google, but I'm <laughs> at Katie Dalebout everywhere, social media wise, Twitter, which I'm really loving lately, Instagram, Snapchat, and I am. Oh, my website is katiedelbo.com. I think the best way to keep in touch with me is to sign up for my email newsletter. And when you do, you get my, which I always say in my Oprah voice, Katie's favorite things, which is like a free guide to like everything I love from my favorite podcast to my favorite YouTube videos to my favorite things to eat to my favorite like quotes, everything favorite of mine. It's like the quick start guide. Um, to my world (laughs) and you get that when you sign up and then I I send out you know things periodically just about what I'm doing and and when Mm. there's a new podcast and yeah oh and I'm on iTunes let it out yes everybody it will change your life okay um so we're going to go to the quick fire round really quick and I've been like whittling these down because they just get a little dumb so 
Um, I'm excited. This is my favorite. Is this your favorite? Yeah, I, I ha- love doing quick Well, first. I didn't even stick to a script or like, guys, it's not scripted, but I didn't stick to like any like specific really questions during this interview anyway. So uh, these have all been surprises, but here's a, even more surprises. Okay, so I have okay. a I have a category of deep questions and I have a category okay. of like not deep questions. So cool. let's go deep first. Okay, so right. name three. This is like moderately deep. So name three right. things you've accomplished this week. Oh, gosh. Well, it's only Tuesday, so I can go back like seven days, right? Yeah, totally. Oh, gosh. I have such trouble like remembering what I did. Um, all right. Well, I gave a talk at a event here on Saturday, which felt like an accomplishment. Okay. Um, so that was, on, that was this week. I got my podcast up last week I think that that was kind of a win because I had just come back from traveling and yeah. being gone and and my my assistant did most of it but like I I like got that up so that was good and I what else did I accomplish this week uh oh this is a nice one I did an in-person interview with someone locally here yesterday that I was really excited to interview and we're very, very different and I was kind of not nervous. I was probably more excited than I was nervous, but I don't know. I was maybe a little bit nervous that I want, I wanted it to be good and I wanted to build a friendship with this person and yeah, I did that last night. So yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Real nice. life IRL peeps. I know you yeah. talk about that a lot, so that's amazing. Um, okay. Thanks. Uh, so... What would you like to see more of in the world? Hmm. I think I'd like to see more people in general, but I'll I'll speak specifically to women primarily because I think it's more of a well, no, actually it's definitely not just females. I think this is everyone and maybe males more even. I want people to feel their feelings more. And what I mean by that is my therapist helped me realize because I was always under the impression like, oh, I'm such a feeler and I have so many thoughts and feelings and I'm always like feeling my feelings. And what she helped me realize recently, like this was maybe last week, two weeks ago, something like that, that I think a lot of feelings, but I don't actually feel much. Like I'm kind of, I can kind of be a robot where I'm not super aware of what I'm feeling in my body and I'm not really connected with that and there are lots of people who go through the world and are connected it's just something that I kind of struggle with so I'm working on feeling my feelings and being more present in my body and even like when I'm exercising sometimes you know if it starts to get challenging I'll like zone out and try to like think of something else instead of like being in it and so I'm I think I want people to be more in their bodies and feel more feelings or at least people who struggle with it like me to do that so i don't know that's kind of like a weird yeah. answer to that question no but. feel your feelings everybody yeah i definitely struggle with that i feel like i'm, I'm a pusher i will push it push past you know yeah. what i mean yeah i won't me feel too. that i won't sit in that yeah. and uh same yeah okay so well this could kind of go with that so what's something your inner critic always tells you and what can you say back my inner critic always tells me that i'm not good enough and the the big one is that I'm not, to be more specific, that I'm not, well, it tells me, 
lots of ways I'm not good enough. I'm not mm-hmm. smart enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not pretty enough. But I think the big one for me has always been the body, you know, that my body's yeah. not enough, not pretty enough, not thin enough, whatever. And I now can very easily navigate myself out of that and pivot out of that, sometimes more than others. But I can be like, all right, dude you're fine (laughs) basically is what I say. And I'm just like, this is a societal construct and I can getting angry. I think at the way that we've been brought up and the way society is. And I think it's really helpful to kind of shift out of that. And then to, then to kind of prove to myself, like, wait, people love me just as much as this weight as they did when I was at a different weight or when I was sick or, you know, like I think people, people will love you and they, they care more about how you are and how you interact with them than how you look so that's how I remind myself to not listen to that voice wow that is so good okay so the funny questions okay so name one because you're you know you're food food girl um you're not food girl I'm not putting that label on you I just mean we've talked about food a lot yeah okay so what's one food that you actually hate not that you put oh. rules on that you actually just think is disgusting and you avoid it at all costs Oh, that's a great one. Hmm. Well, I don't really like garlic, especially when things like um, like taste super garlicky. Well, I don't know. I also just like – I don't like the aftertaste of garlic like in my mouth lingering, yeah. so I don't like to like eat it during the day. I don't really like mind – garlic as a taste I'm really like trying to think of this question I used to not like tomatoes I don't love tomatoes but I I I like the flavor of tomatoes I know that's Mm -hmm. like weird um I'm trying to think if there's anything else I really don't like I guess I kind of like most foods there's not really one that I don't like that's kind of weird but when I was a kid I would always say pot roast because I remember like my dad would make pot roast from time to time and I hated it I never liked meat growing up and I the smell like grossed me out and so I don't think I like pot roast although like I'm sure I would like eat the veggies out of a pot roast or something like maybe it'd be mm-hmm. fine but like yeah it's just something that I I always like hated like I I wouldn't eat so. yeah I was like that with pork chops I just like Ugh. It just sound so yeah. Nasty. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I like that. I guess. I guess meat is one. I, I don't. I Meat's don't like definitely the taste one. Of, mm-hmm. of meat. Um, it's not something I I crave. So, I, I But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure like somebody could pre- prepare meat in a way that like it wouldn't taste gross and it would yeah. be fine. I'm not like worried about that. But yeah, I. Yeah, I don't know. I get yeah, yeah, totally. I get that. Um, so what's your favorite dessert? And it can be something you make. It can be something specific. It can be something broad. Your favorite oh. dessert? Mm. Anything with coconut in it. The first thing that came to mind when you said that. I mean, I love coconut so much. Like yesterday, I honestly had to like tell myself, cool it on the coconut. I'd eaten like exclusively. Is it coconut. that ice cream that you were talking about? Oh, I eat that. <laughs> I didn't have any of that yesterday, weirdly, but I had like a coconut cereal. I had like these, I was eating coconut flakes as a snack. I had coconut milk. Like I was like, and then I had like a bunch of coconut oil. Like I was, I was like only eating coconut yesterday. And I'd be like, had to like literally tell myself like, eat something else. Like I know you're craving Yum. that. Eat something else. But so anything coconut. But when I was a kid, my, 
family friend would make this coconut pie. It definitely was like not healthy and definitely had like a lot of sugar and I'm sure, um, you know, other things in it that maybe aren't super healthy, but it was so good. And I should try to like find that recipe and make it or even like healthify it perhaps. Mm -hmm. But it was, yeah, just like a coconut pie. Like a cream pie? Like with a big whip? It wasn't cream. It wasn't cream. I'm pretty sure it had egg in it because it was like very light and fluffy. Well, I had so much fun, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. You're an amazing host. I wish that there were more fun questions because I was having so much fun answering them. I felt so bad. Okay, I'll make more. Thank you for having me. (laughs)